Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Thursday, May 14th. I'm Noreen Casteres. These are today's headlines. The former head of the U.S. agency charged with overseeing a new coronavirus vaccine says we have only a short window of time to curb the coronavirus threat, and that window is closing. Also, the financial damage is already done, the Fed chair issuing a stark new economic warning for the nation as nearly three million more Americans file for unemployment. Overruled, Wisconsin's highest court strikes down the governor's stay-at-home orders, calling the restrictions unconstitutional and unenforceable. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. Hello and welcome to You News for Thursday, May 14th. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. We begin today with shocking testimony by Dr. Rick Bright saying during a hearing before Congress, quote, we could have done better and adding some critical steps were not taken. The top infectious disease expert under both President Obama and President Trump outlined the mistakes made by the Trump administration. Let's go straight to Janet Rodriguez in Washington with more of this testimony and his warnings about where we stand with the coronavirus pandemic. Janet. A very critical testimony of uh, the efficiency of the federal government. And he says that the lack of action has simply cost lives. He said that he alerted the highest levels at HHS and also at the White House of the lack of protective gear and medical equipment on the government stockpile to be able to deal with the pandemic. And that he sounded the alarm multiple times, but he was simply met with indifference and lack of action by the part of the federal government. And he says that if we continue to go down the same path, the federal government doesn't take more action uh, that is doing right now. Simply things will get worse. Our window of opportunity is closing. If we fail to improve our response now based on science, I fear the pandemic will get worse and be prolonged. There will be likely a resurgence of COVID-19 this fall. It'll be greatly compounded by the challenges of seasonal influenza. Without better planning, 2020 could be the darkest winter in modern history. Dr. Bright also testified that the federal government doesn't have a master plan to equitably uh, distribute the potential uh, the potential vaccine or the Redensivir, that medicine that could uh, treat effectively the coronavirus. He says that there is no leadership, there is no master plan, and there is no way that the federal government can deal with this pandemic the way they're doing it now. Let's hear to a little bit more of what he had to say. Our window of opportunity is closing. If we fail to improve our response now based on science, I fear the pandemic will get worse and be prolonged. There will be likely a resurgence of COVID-19 this fall. It'll be greatly compounded by the challenges of seasonal influenza. Without better planning, 2020 could be the darkest winter in modern history. Now, the president leaving the White House just a few minutes ago said he had been watching the testimony and said that Dr. Bright is simply an unhappy and disgruntled federal employee. Lorraine? And Janet, we understand that the president is expressing doubt about the official COVID-19 death count. 
Right. And the president was actually asked about that now leaving for Pennsylvania just a few minutes ago. He didn't answer the question, but we do understand from some reporting that some close aides to the president and the president himself are questioning the methods that the CDC is using for counting uh, the death of coronavirus. And he believes that those numbers may be higher that or maybe lower rather, maybe overcounted a lower that the 80,000 plus deaths that are reported right now, while, for example, Dr. Fauci does believe that that number is much higher and there is an undercounting. So there is an imbalance there of what the scientists are saying and what the president and some political appointees inside the White House do believe. Back to you. Well, thank you so much. Janet Rodriguez reporting from Washington, D.C. And new unemployment numbers today from the Labor Department. The number of Americans who have applied for jobless benefits now tops 36 million. This, as the chair of the Federal Reserve, is warning of lasting economic damage as Democrats and Republicans try to find a solution moving forward. Andrea Linares has the latest. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell issuing this urgent warning. The scope and speed of this downturn are without modern precedent, significantly worse than any recession since World War II. New jobless numbers came out today. Nearly 3 million Americans filed a new claims for unemployment benefits last week, bringing the total number of workers who've lost their jobs in just two months to 36.5 million. Among people who were working in February, almost 40 percent of those in households making less than $40,000 a year had lost a job in March. Investment bank Goldman Sachs predicting that unemployment could soar to 25 percent this year. Monique Howard from California lost her job as an office manager. I'm a single income with a special needs son who can't work. I don't know how I'm going to continue. This has also led to surging demand at food banks around the country. In Texas, volunteers are preparing to deliver millions of meals to people in more than a dozen states. We've ordered food in expectation of getting more people coming to our pantries. Side, how we got here. Democrats we proposing a new stimulus relief bill. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi unveiled a more than $3 trillion coronavirus aid package Tuesday, providing nearly $1 trillion for states and cities, hazard pay for essential workers, and a new round of direct payments to Americans, totaling up to $6,000 per household. The House is expected to vote on the package as soon as Friday, but Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says the Senate will wait until after Memorial Day to act. Although unemployment numbers remain high, most economists expect the situation to improve somewhat as more areas begin loosening restrictions. Despite some employees being called back to work, the extent of rehiring is not reflected in the latest Labor Department report due to glitches in the system. Meanwhile, others complain that they still haven't been able to process their unemployment claims due to a system backlog. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. And Senator Richard Burr, the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, is resigning as committee head effective Friday. 
The news comes less than a day after the FBI issued a search warrant and seized Burr's cell phone as part of an insider trading investigation connected to the coronavirus outbreak. Investigators are looking into why the North Carolina senator sold up to $1.7 million worth of stocks in February. The feds want to know if he sold the stocks based on information he received from closed-door briefings about the coronavirus as head of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Burr has denied any wrongdoing. And by this Sunday, at least 48 states will partially reopen. This as President Trump criticizes Dr. Fauci for warning lawmakers about reopening too soon. Overnight, packed bars and restaurants in Wisconsin, where the state Supreme Court overturned the governor's extended stay-at-home orders, calling the restrictions unconstitutional and unenforceable. The ruling doesn't take effect until May 20th, but within hours, some bars and restaurants reopened with no restrictions. In Alameda County, California, protests have erupted. Businesses demanding to be allowed to get back to work after Tesla's Elon Musk defied orders and opened his factory. But in North Carolina, one man with an autoimmune disease protesting the opposite, opening too fast, taking to the skies with his concern. In Connecticut, hair salons are set to reopen on May 20th, but a number of owners and stylists are hoping the governor will push that date back. I am scared. I am. I'm scared because I have a family. I have two children, um, a husband, and um, what does that look like when I come home? New Jersey is now allowing non-essential construction and retail stores to reopen for pickup. But New York City, the epicenter of the outbreak nationwide, won't make any moves until June to begin phase one of reopening. If the health indicators continue to move in the right direction, we're going to talk about the things that we can start up again with a lot of social distancing. In Washington, D.C., the mayor stretching the stay-at-home order until June 8th. Rushing to reopen could have tragic results. In Michigan, Governor Gretchen Whitmer bracing for more protests over her stay-at-home orders. Whitmer saying data shows an increase in outside activity and that if there is any increase in COVID cases, the state might have to take action. If people are going to come down and demonstrate, do it in a responsible way. This coming after Dr. Fauci expressed concerns over reopening too quickly Tuesday. Overnight, the president telling reporters he was surprised by those concerns. I was surprised by his answer, actually, uh, because, uh, you know, uh, it's just, to me, it's not an acceptable answer, especially when it comes to schools. Oh, I think they should open the schools, absolutely. I think they should. I don't consider our country coming back if the schools are closed. Meanwhile, Governor DeSantis of Florida just announced the two most affected countries in his counties and his states will begin reopening this coming Monday. Los Angeles County's stay-at-home order extended for at least three more months after not seeing a drop in infections and deaths in 14 days, as experts recommend for a safe economic reopening. But as Jaime Garcia explains, there will be some lifting of restrictions and gradual reopenings as the situation improves. The Los Angeles County Health Department officials continue easing restrictions in Los Angeles, allowing the limited reopening of thousands of shops, while extending the county's stay-at-home order indefinitely. We're not moving beyond COVID-19. We're learning to live with it. Um, it's important not to overreact. There have already been more than 34,000 confirmed cases in Los Angeles County and more than 1,600 coronavirus-related deaths. 
and the numbers have no stabilized. Of the 410 businesses inspected last weekend by officials, 162 of them violated health department orders. The recommendation to extend indefinitely the stay-at-home order was made after some business reopened over Mother's Day weekend. We saw many businesses allowing customers inside the stores, not following the physical distancing guidelines and not asking them to use the face masks. Despite the stay-at-home recommendations, more activities will gradually begin to reopen. This week, for first time in six weeks, the local beaches were open to the public, but with some restrictions, such as not being allowed to sunbathe or picnic in groups. We have not gotten used to being six feet apart or wearing masks all the time. It's so dangerous. While authorities try to slow the spread of the virus, some people are getting desperate in the face of the growing economic burdens. I lost my job right now. The only one working three to four hours is my husband. The recommendation to stay at home until August, it happened three days before that the original order was about to expire next Friday. In Los Angeles, Jaime Garcia, U News. A new study has found the COVID-19 test being used by the White House frequently misses cases of the virus. The White House uses the Abbott ID Now test, which can show results in just 13 minutes. But New York University researchers say the test may be unacceptable for use with patients. Researchers tested a group of COVID-positive nasal swabs using the Abbott test. They say the Abbott test missed 48 percent of positive cases. Abbott has disputed the findings, and we should note the researcher. The research has not yet been reviewed by outside scientists. A new research indicates the coronavirus could remain in the air for more than eight minutes after talking. The National Institutes of Health and the University of Pennsylvania found talking loudly for one minute in a confined space could generate at least 1,000 speech droplets. If someone were to inhale them, it could potentially trigger new infections. And New Jersey is beginning to track down patients with coronavirus, a key to curbing the pandemic. More than 1,000 government employees will contact residents to get a realistic count of those affected. But as Ros Blanca Rosa Vilches explains, uh, some wonder how effective contact tracing really is. New Jersey will hire at least 1,000 people to create a community contact tracing among coronavirus positive residents. The purpose of testing people is to find out if they're in fact positive and to isolate them. The tracers will call or contact directly the residents who have been at hospitals or tested positive for coronavirus. Most of them agreed with the idea. You never know who has the virus, and sometimes it looks like a regular cold, so it's better to know. It's better to know who tested positive so we can take our own measures. However, others question how the program is going to work. It's important to collect information, but also to know how that information will be used. The governor says that the tracing of the patients also will give him an exact idea of the reopening of the state. In Union City, New Jersey, Blanca Rosa Vilches, U News. And the family of a 36-year-old man who worked at a meat processing plant in Dallas, Texas, is accusing his employer in connection with his death. 
Hugo Dominguez died in April from COVID-19. His family is now suing Quality Sausage for failing to protect Dominguez and its workers. Cheyenne Elahi is the Dominguez family attorney. Mr. Elahi, let's start off with the allegations. What exactly is the family claiming Hugo's employer, Quality Sausage, did to be at fault for his death? Well, basically, they did nothing to protect him as a worker. They put profits over um, their workers and essentially continued the factory as if nothing was wrong outside. Um, you know, there were people who got sick in the factory and they continued to force them to work, saying that they would terminate them. And obviously, Mr. Dominguez was one of them who ended up getting sick because of the inaction of quality sausages. And... Um, you know, this is a basic wrongful death action. Uh, the factory could have done much better. They knew there was a disaster already um, in the nation, the state, and city declared. So they should have given the masks and sent people home who were feeling sickly. Uh, so it's their inaction and their inhumanity, to be honest with you, which has caused the death of this young man, this hardworking young man. Mr. Elahi, uh, meat processing plants around the country have been hit with confirmed cases of infections. So it seems these aren't isolated cases. Do you believe there's something about this industry specifically that's leading to these tragedies? Yes, I, I do think that uh, meat processing plants and, and uh, packaging plants have a history of abusing their workers, especially undocumented workers, where they know that they have no uh, may not have any consequences. Uh, I believe this is going to be a big, bigger issue all over the country. And I have a real concern, along with other lawyers who are dealing with these uh, situations, that the president has uh, talked about trying to give them immunity uh, if they force their workers back um, to work without putting any um, uh, safety measures in place. And I think that should not be done. I believe it will be unconstitutional, but also I believe uh, um, I think this will put all of us in danger. Uh, you know, this is a community epidemic. This is not something that stops at the factory gates. So I think everybody needs to be very cognizant of that. But in terms of that, some of these companies might argue that it's impossible to protect workers completely, and there needs to be a balance between keeping businesses open and keeping workers saved. How would you respond to the assertion that companies can't be held responsible every time an employee gets sick or dies from the virus? Well, I think we have to look at what CDC is saying that the company should be providing and if they're opening too soon. That's another thing. Are they de, uh, you know, disinfecting the whole factory? Are they making sure that there's social distancing, there's gloves, there's masks, uh, there's enough sterilization? I do think you know, we have common law in this country and we have established tort law which allows for these things to be measured. Nobody's saying they'll be completely responsible, but I think to basically give them immunity from uh, any responsibility would be a mistake because then we'll go back to the same situation where they'll just look the other way if somebody's sick. So I think I agree with you. We have to find a balance, but we cannot put the balance in the hands of the factory owners. We have to put it in the hands of the scientists who are making these uh, uh, measurements and deciding when it is safe. You know, one of the things that uh, federal government has been saying is one size fits all doesn't work nationally. It doesn't work in the states either, and it doesn't work in the factories. Every factory has to be looked at specifically as to their working conditions and what they can do to protect their uh, employees, whether documented or not. 
Well, thank you so much, Mr. Elahi. We should note you news reached out to the company Quality Sausage for comments, but have not yet received a response. Attorney Cheyenne Elahi, thank you for your time. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. You News, your world, You News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. People in Argentina defied quarantine restrictions in Buenos Aires and marched to demand greater financial help from the government. Protesters complain the amount of money they receive under existing social programs is insufficient for the cost of living. In recent years, Argentina has been mirrored in deep social and economic crisis. And dozens of nurses in Mexico City and Texcoco took to the streets to demand the government provide them with personal protective equipment. The nurses are complaining the equipment they have been given uh, is non-existent or made cheaply. This means they are possibly more prone to infection. Mexico has reported more than 4,200 deaths due to coronavirus. And beer prices in Mexico have seen their biggest jump in a decade. It's largely because of the impacts the coronavirus has had on the local economy and the precautionary steps being taken by the government. As Alejandra Flores explains, some beer drinkers and producers are not too happy. At the beginning of April, the General Health Council, the highest health authority in Mexico, ordered the cessation of beer production as a non-essential activity due to the coronavirus. There is no economic logic in the definition of essential and non-essential activities. It makes no sense to say it is essential the Mayan train, it is essential the refinery, but brewing industry is not. However, Constellation Brands, the company that brews Modelo Brands, is continuing its operations in Mexico. According to the National Statistics and Geography Institute, INEGI, on April, beer prices increased 2.7%. Rural producers are affected the most, followed by consumers in big cities such as Monterrey, with the highest per capita consumption, followed Guadalajara and Mexico City. First of all, we couldn't prepare the meal. They should let beer companies continue to produce. Maybe they should limit the sale per person, but not stop production. I wanted to buy beer, but there is no beer, and it costs twice as much. In this place, there is no alcohol ban, but beer is not for sale. The decision to stop beer production has been controversial and caused panic buying, especially in northern states where people have paid more than double the price of beer these days. But what's causing desperate consumers to stock up on beer? La industria cervecera. The brewing industry employs around 600,000 people, 55,000 are staff and 555,000 are seasonal workers. The decision has also led to losses to public finances. Brewing industry generates monthly $150 million in taxes. Last year, exports ascended to 40.1 million hectoliters, whose value was of $4,858 million. 
This decision, which is based on health priorities, ignored the economic impact it would have on the booing industry. Beer production is expected to resume by mid-May, depending on the development of the pandemic. Meanwhile, the federal government decided to leave it to local authorities to decide the ban of alcohol sales during the pandemic. From Mexico City, Alejandra Flores, U News. In Panama, for the first time in almost two months, children were able to go outside on Wednesday, but they were only allowed to go near their home or public spaces in their residence. Children are also required to wear a mask and must be accompanied by an adult at all times. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.